0: are listening to a One Pint Stand, a Minnesota craft beer podcast that tells the stories of craft beer in Minnesota and beyond. So kick back, relax, and grab a cold one. The show starts now. Hello, my name is Dan Bobian, and I write, produce, and host a One Pint Stand. I am ecstatic that you are listening this podcast has been a passion project of mine since 2016. This episode that you're about to hear is all about the brewers behind the beers at Ladonia Cerveceria in Minneapolis. I sat down with the head brewer and part owner Dickie, and the assistant brewer Brit for a great conversation at one of my favorite places in the Twin Cities to drink a beer. If you haven't been to Ladonia, it is a really marvelous place and one thing that they have been able to accomplish that not everybody else is able to do is they have created a wonderfully vibrant beer community within their four walls so if you've been there you know uh, of the specialness that I speak and if you have not been there I encourage you to put that on your list and go enjoy the wide variety of styles and flavors that they are serving Uh, What you will also find is just a wonderful, caring staff who is uh, there to take care of you and uh, patronage that is very excited about beer. You can also pop in and catch a soccer game. There are salsa nights on Saturday. There's a variety of things to do, um, and it all kind of is uh, centered around a very Latino uh, vibe and I love it so um, our conversation uh, we talk about their beers uh, we talk about their paths into the industry and how does one maintain a work-life balance when they are a head brewer in the craft beer industry uh, Dickie has been an industry veteran uh, for many years and by contrast Britt. Is uh, has been in the industry for six months. So their perspectives are important ones to hear, and I absolutely loved listening to them tell their stories. So let's head out to Ladonia for my beer chat with Dickie and Britt. Cheers. Welcome to another on-location episode of A One Pint Stand. My name is Dan Bobian. I'm your host, and I am here at Ladonia Cerveceria, in North Minneapolis, amongst the colorful, amazing, wonderful community that is this tap room, And I am lucky enough to be joined by Dickie, the head brewer, and Britt, the assistant brewer. Thank you so much for sitting down with me to talk beer. I love this place, and I know how busy you all are, so I appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm Dickie, the head brewer, uh, part owner here at LaDonia. And uh, this is Britt.
2: Yeah, I'm Brittany. I go by Britt to people who know me or pretend to. Um, Yeah, I'm the assistant brewer here. I've been here for about six-ish months, something like that, maybe a little under. Yeah. Kind of fresh to the the scene, the brew scene, and I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah. No, my pleasure. Um, I have been here many times, I love, it's one of those places I love to visit in the warm months or in the cold months, because, you know, as the temperature dips, the options with the warming ABV go up, and last (laughs) night I was lucky enough to run into the Enmolada Mole Stout, which I absolutely love, so, um, but my one rule when I come here is the first beer always has to be Doña Fria, because it is... So good. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. yeah. 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 You, bre- you brew good stuff here. So, um, and pardon the pun, you are also brewing up quite a wonderful community in the tap taproom. So, um, so, yeah. so, I want to start, uh, I'd like, I'm curious to know, I always ask uh, because I find it very fascinating. No two people have the same path into this industry. So, um, and even before you get a job brewing there's a, a passion, and interest, a desire to figure out what, what does this beverage have in store? Um, so if each of you would uh, start off, kind of tell me what got you interested in craft beer
1: way back when? Um, I would say my interest was uh, peaked when um, I got a job uh, bar backing at Stubborn Herbs in Stadium Village. Uh, which at that time was solely a craft beer bar. and I think one of the only ones in the state maybe. Hmm. Um, the manager at the time was John Landers, phenomenal guy. taught me all about all the craft beer and uh, kind of laughed at me for only drinking Shell's light because at the time it was like, well, you know you have all these weird things on, like, yeah. Shell's Light like seems fine. It's know. a known entity. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's made in Minnesota, so why not? Yeah. Um, and then I asked him why he didn't have like hams on, and he kind of laughed at me, like, "Well, hams isn't made in Minnesota. Um, it's made, you know, wherever it was the contract was at that point in time." But uh, he taught me all the stuff I knew, and uh, from there it just kind of like sparked my interest in, like, Two-Hearted, IPA, and then uh, Surly, too, at the time. Like, Furious was phenomenal. I really dug their coffee bender. Um, I missed I that finding beer. What? I said I missed that beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> R.I.P., right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just learning all the ins and outs from him, and then uh, just working, like, some random Thursday uh, during the day, actually. And the Surly driver came, and was making deliveries, and this was right before, I believe, TCS, TCF Bank Stadium. Okay. Um, so they were kind of, like, loading up with kegs, getting ready for some games. And so I just kind of helped him out. Like, he'd bring them down the stairs. I'd throw them in the cooler, and the cooler was all of, you know, four and a half feet tall, <laughs> like they normally are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, trying to double stack kegs in there. And he was like, you know, we're hiring for a driver. And we oh, offer health insurance. Okay. And so I was like, you had me on health insurance. Like, right. I'm done. Yeah. And uh, I did a ride along and that's how I got in at Surly back in the day. Okay. So.
0: That's yeah. awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Was, anytime anyone asks me like how you got into it, it's always like, I needed health insurance. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a very important thing to
0: have. You yeah, know? exactly. Don't we all? <laughs> yeah. Right. Britt, how about you? What got you, what what piqued your interest about craft beer?
2: Yeah, I think one of the big things is like exposure to beer. My first beer, I won't tell you how old I was, but I was at a family barbecue. It was a Stella. And ever since then, I considered myself a beer drinker. Then um, moved out to Boston, kind of explored out there for a little bit, did some Sam Adams stuff. Uh, there's a small little craft brewery. It was small at the time. I don't know how big it is now, but I think it's called Turtle Swamp. It's in Jamaica Plain. Loved it. Um, and just really got in deep there. I live four blocks from the Sam Adams Brewery, and their okay. brewery tour was free. So I really got, like, my palate wetted yeah. there a lot for free. <laughs> and, you know, like, fresh out of college, I needed it to the five-finger discount for sure. Came back here for pharmacy school. I'm a pharmacist by trade. Oh, okay. And uh, did that. And lived over in Como, pretty close to Insight, and I had Claw King, and that was kind of the end of it. Okay. Um, became an IPA girl. Okay. Still am to this day. Dickie's kind of swayed me a little in the stouts, uh, with Emilata. Yeah. But I still, I still feel like I'm a hops girl. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of the short version, at least. Yeah, we
0: all have our favorite like ingredients or flavors that we gravitate towards. Oh, definitely. Um. How many years did either of you uh, homebrew for a long while before you got into professional brewing?
1: Uh, Mine uh, actually was all the way back when I was a kid. Um, I didn't homebrew at all, but part of uh, my grandparents' uh, chores around the farm was making beer for all the farmhands. Oh, okay. And so cool. just hanging out with them. They were kind of our babysitters as kids. Yeah. Um, you know, before we started school and all, and it was just kind of like, oh, uh, you know, start smelling some stuff around, this big pot on the stove, just swirling around. And I asked my grandma what she was doing, and she was making beer. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Where did you grow up?
1: I grew up uh, Morris, Minnesota. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like... Northwest. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. My wife works at the U of M and they have, uh, she's in their barley breeding program and they have a lot of fields up there, oh, yeah. Crookston, Morris area. Yeah. yeah. Very a lot, cool. A lot of fields. Yeah. yeah. A lot of agriculture out there, I feel like. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Tons. Tons of it. Did you ever homebrew Britt?
2: Yeah, that's kind of how I got into this. Um, I started homebrewing during the pandemic. Oh, so nice. It's, yeah. Pandemic hobby. Uh, so, I'm four years deep into homebrewing now. Okay. Um, learned a ton just on my own and having a science background, super helpful. Oh, yeah. Um, all the math and everything comes a little bit easier to me. Um, and at a point, you know, I was in healthcare and I was just super unhappy and decided, you know what, forget it, let's just go for it. Yeah. Um, and that same week that I had decided to leave healthcare and, you know, dig deeper into the brew stuff. Dickie posted on, like, the Brewing Change Collaborative Facebook group that he was looking for an assistant brewer. Felt like I wasn't qualified at all. Just, but I was like, you know what? Why not? Just go for it. Sent him an email. Came in the next day to interview. And it's history, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I will say I did include in on that post. Training uh, included in to no experience necessary, right?
2: I didn't see that part.
1: Okay. But, yeah. (laughs) I think I put that in there. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I-, I won't say that you didn't, but I also won't say that you did.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. Well, I'm just saying because I got a lot of a variety yeah. of different people from different walks of life you know, sending in their resumes. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, I felt wildly unqualified. Um, but now stumbling in and, and figuring things out, I'm super lucky to have a teacher like Dickie. Like, yeah. I sing his praises to his face and behind his back. Um, yeah. Yeah, I feel super lucky to be trained by him, and it works well.
0: You know, that's a, how many, I think one of the big things that, I think it exists in many industries, uh, the, whatever, two to four years of experience needed, that's a pretty big gatekeeper for getting people who have a genuine interest and a passion for something, but aren't able to you know get that experience without just being trained on the job if you had to say a percentage of breweries that have that kind of like you you know training available no experience necessary is that getting more common or as far as you know are breweries still no you need a couple years of experience before we'll even
1: seriously consider you as a candidate for whatever job we may have Um, I think it goes differently with different places. So everyone kind of has their own route that they want to take. In regards to when I started at Surly, there would have been no way with no experience to get a brewing job there whatsoever. But they were already a semi-well-oiled machine running under Todd. Yeah. So it's just kind of like one of those things that, you know, we're a smaller facility. Um, it's basically just me, for the most part, in the back. so if I'm able to teach somebody and spend the extra time teaching somebody else how to do, you know, four to seven different things around in the bag, um, and teach them, you know, safety and chemical handling, hot water, stuff like that, what to touch, what not to touch, you know, stuff, you know, all that, um... It's very beneficial and then it gives the opportunity for people who do want to get into the industry maybe not necessarily pouring beer into the night maybe more of like that morning kind of routine that they're used to and then they have their evenings open still and they get paid doing it and it benefits myself like that's great for me yeah but I know a lot of other people and I think that's why I posted uh, Brewers Assistant because it's rather vague yeah but it's allowing people to come in and then when we sit down they can ask like what do you mean by Brewer's assistant versus you know some places like yeah I ring shift Brewer like that kind of speaks for itself you know? right but you're gonna take over the helm at some point from the next person and so on and so forth so. So, Britt, you said that Dickie was a good teacher.
0: Um, Dickie, where does that come from? Do you, along the way, I'm assuming that you had some pretty spectacular mentors. Um, was there a... I think, as an educator myself, I carry with me uh, memories of good teachers I had and really bad teachers I had, and that absolutely steers how I do my job because I remember what it felt to be inspired and also what it felt like to be like not seen and not understood and
1: almost seem like invisible in a class. Yeah, right. Um, I would completely agree. That's full well in most walks of life. You know, any chance somebody gets to get into a management position, even if they're still in the same company, they're striving for what not to be like with the person that they took over for. And so, much like you were saying, you know, you remember the good and you remember the bad and you take from both. Because even though, like, at the time, you know, maybe when we were kids, like, I remember my science teacher, seventh grade, it'll stick with me forever. Like, he was hard on everybody but looking back it was like no he was pushing yeah. us you know it was that generational difference of like he just didn't fully convey that message Yeah, and so it's like kind of taking from both where it's like I really enjoyed you know this person I worked under not so much this person but they had two or three things that I carry with me Um, And then from some of the other good ones that were really good, it was like, yeah, they were great. But, you know, part of the time half the team was like slacking off and that kind of felt bad, too. So it's like it's the give and take of like, you know, where do you draw your line? Mm -hmm. And I think much to what you were saying, again, is like. You're basing it solely on your experiences and trying not to be, like, fully one or the other, but uh, a nice bond between the two mm-hmm. to then, you know, maintain what I want to see as quality in the bag. Yeah. So that's what I base it off of. So you mentioned that,
0: you know, Ladonia, when you're in the back in the brew house, it's the two of you at surly i'm sure it was completely the opposite how much interaction when you were at surly um did you have with the head brewer or was it like was todd kind of mentoring everybody or was it more like all right now you report to this guy over here and this, this person okay. reports to her and she reports to him like a weird kind of a you know in those movies those mafia movies when they're like um, got everybody's picture on the wall and there's like different is like almost like a pyramid scheme kind of Um, yeah right (laughs) is it is it like that in the bigger breweries where like you may not even really interact much with the head brewer master brewer or is is it pretty
1: like no during the brew day it's kind of all hands on deck and it's very collegial um i think it was uh, a different type of scenario because by the time i made it to the brew deck it was quite apparent that the uh, um, giant brewery that you know Surly was planning on building uh, was like going up and uh, actually right around that time, I was just about done on the packaging side and working towards the cellar. So, uh, with Surly, at least when I was there, it, it was shift brewers that, you know, basically 24-5 all week long and then there was the packaging team and then in between the two there was the centrifuge and cellar workers okay. that would be there and then outside of that it was warehouse and so um, before that when I first started there driving it was a little bit more intimate sure. just because I was the 12th person hired at Surly. Okay. So it was like me, two other drivers. there were three people packaging and there were two brewers. yeah and then there was Todd and Omar. So like we all hung out like quite a bit actually at least for the most part yeah there was one guy that didn't drink. Um, he had worked for Omar's dad. Phenomenal okay. guy Dan. I don't know if he listens to podcasts, but <laughs> Dan is awesome. He's the one that loaded the trucks every day. okay He's a great guy. Um, And then there were a few other ones that just, you know, they'd go out on the weekend, but they weren't really like a weekday like Thursday or, you know, the grumpy's Mondays or whatever. Okay. But um, once I got to the brew deck, it was kind of like everyone has their roles. They started implementing more and more HR, marketing team. Uh, Gary actually like came around, Gary Nichols came around and, like, started doing more and more stuff with, like, QA, QC. Um, So it was kind of like everybody knew their positions. Uh, You got in. You said hi to who you could. You know, other people were kind of, like, on a mission. Um, Yeah, it was, uh, you know, just kind of, like, get in. Got a long day ahead of me so that the next person, I don't leave them on a behind schedule. Right. Because the Friday person, whoever was on the brew deck cleaning everything, if you were behind, like, five minutes on Tuesday, like, they'd be there an extra, like, hour or two on Friday, so yeah. just trying to make sure everything was running smooth. Like a relay, kind of. Yeah. You know, yeah. you didn't want to pass the baton, not drop it, not...
0: Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Um, what do you think when it comes to, you know, most of the time when I'm talking to brewers, when I... Our conversation is... Mostly on brewing cleaning practices. Um, I don't hear a lot about what makes a good trainer or what are the most uh, what are the most important skills when training somebody. Obviously, attention to detail, like you said, uh, touch this, don't touch this, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. Um, from a from a standpoint of like, you know. Learning on seeing how a, a huge brewery operates, and then you know, um, is it kind of like the same process here, or is it easier because it's like, all right, it's just the two of us, so you're having more face time and there's more chance for conversations. Whereas like, if you're coming in and you know there's 40 other people milling around, how do you how do you ask a question? I would imagine that might be intimidating because you don't want to feel like you're wasting anybody's time. You don't want somebody to drop the baton. Um, What do you think is the, for somebody who is, like, training somebody uh, who's either relatively new in the industry or totally new to the industry, what's the the biggest thing you would want them to understand about training
1: somebody in? Uh, Training somebody in, it's kind of like... I always refer to it as the email practice where you sign off saying, like, if you have any questions or concerns, let me know. Um, And then you just don't hear anything back, and then something gets messed up along the way, and it's like, well, if you had a question, like, I reviewed the email I sent you, and (laughs) 9 and 10 got mixed up. Like, if you had any questions about it, you could have called or emailed or whatever. So the constant reminding of, like, letting Brit or uh, Sean or a sales and delivery person know just like hey like you know where to find me yeah you both have my cell number everybody's got a cell phone now if I'm not here text call if I don't pick up or if I don't respond to the text like try the other one or if I am here more than welcome yeah I would and I like reiterating again like I would rather you come and ask me, then something happened and then now we have to start the whole thing over again. Sure. If you have a question about valves or what to do next or anything like that, come and grab me. Yeah. I would much rather be on the floor than responding to emails. Right. (laughs) Or some emails, I should say. And it's funny,
2: that's (laughs) been actually really tough for me. Like that's the biggest transition I think from healthcare, like being a pharmacist terminal degree. Like I'm expected to be the expert at something, you know? And so it's been humbling and really nice. A nice change of pace actually to come and, like, not know anything to some extent. And obviously I know things, right? Homebrewing. Yeah. Um, But commercial is not the same as homebrewing. It's not just a giant version of your at-home system. It's just not. Um, So I actually found myself and constantly even still find myself having way more questions than I think I will. And sometimes I'm a little nervous to ask. And it's not because Dickie's not easy to ask. It's it's internal, you know? And so I think a lot of being here and having such a great teacher is like constantly reminding myself like, it's fine, just go ask. Yeah. You feel like it's silly, but silly is better than pressure, 10 PSI pressure in your face or yeast all over your hair or, yeah. you know, or, yeah. you know, worst case, hot water everywhere and then you're burned, you know? It can get quite dangerous back there, so... In the end, you know, I keep trying to remind myself that it's worth it, but I face that every day, like, being nervous to ask, to ask a question. Well,
0: so. and I'm sure it doesn't hurt that. I mean, I, I don't know much about what it takes to become a pharmacist, but I know you can't be dumb. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> <hope> ha- <laughs> having, ha- being really intelligent and <laughs> picking things up quick is probably, like, a huge benefit. Uh, do you feel, and I, I think there's... I'm curious to hear your answer. You know, um, coming from a totally different industry, um, did you feel like once you got the job, uh, did you feel like any imposter syndrome or just kind of like...
2: 100%. (laughs) I mean, I came into the interview because I feel like I have to... I am a confident person, generally. I know what I know, and I also know when I don't know something, and that's fine. Um, But I try to really show people how confident I am. And so I remember coming into the interview and telling Dicky, give me six months, I'll be the best assistant brewer you've ever had. And so when I got the job, I was like, shit, I got to prove it. <laughs> Also, can I swear? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I was like, ah, I gotta right. actually like do They're this. Not now. regulated
0: by the uh, FCC, so yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll let I it was
2: fly. Like, oh, shoot, and we're I gotta... also
1: talking about beers, so <laughs> yeah. true,
2: you know, I just—it's a family podcast, <laughs> yeah. you know. what I mean? Guess, yeah, <laughs> yeah, true, true. But yeah, I was like, okay, now I actually have to show up, you know, and and trusting myself to do that has been huge. Part of it being, I will earn more of Dickie's trust by actually asking, and. And that's been really empowering. And again, struggle with it still, but it's been huge to know. Every day he tells me, like, just ask. Just ask. It's fine. Just ask. And that's been super helpful, too. Yeah. Just from that reminder.
1: Well, that's one of the key points that we were talking about earlier. Because I reiterated, growing up, I'm not sure how you grew up, but going to my parents and asking for, like, help with, like, you know, got my first car like trying to figure out how to oil change my dad kind of showed me the first time and then it's like trying to do it again going to him like hey I can you help me out uh, okay yeah. and, and then it's like now I'm not gonna ask <laughs> yeah versus like you know, you had a couple questions today and it's like let's go check it out yeah let's figure it out like let, this is the first one okay not that all right let's go to this like we were just doing before we sat down with Dan.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. when I showed up today, I mean, usually you,
0: you show up, uh, you know, 4 o'clock on a Friday at a brewery, it's pretty Everybody's pretty already drinking. Yeah, you know, everybody's, <laughs> everybody's making sure those those tap handles aren't stiffening up and uh, the, the flow pressure is great. But, uh, you know, I, I went back and it looked like um, Dickie had a panel open on an electrical box, like he was like... <laughs> trying to uh, figure out where he left his car keys in there, and uh, like it, w- it was not a lax vibe. And so, uh, it, it's I'm glad we're here having a beer now because uh, that was a, that was a little tense. But yeah, I mean, um, that said, that whole idea of keeping open communication is such a a good thing because I can't imagine. I mean, I'm a <laughs> A novice when it comes to brewing I can't imagine how many things there are that could go wrong and you know Some some of the things are like equipment, you know might not do what it's supposed to do or you know a simple little addition of something at the wrong time and that, That's like super stressful for me. Just like so I don't know how how you all do it, but um, I think it's it's really awesome to hear how uh, just Good uh, working relationship exists back there between the
1: two of you. Um, I I don't think you can make good beer without that. So no, not at all. Yeah, I and mean, that's part of the craft, though too. Is like the person at hand. I know they're handling the brew, so it's just kind of like you know you're dealing with liquid. So going to, back to like that Bruce Lee quote where he's like you know you got to be fluid. You know move from one. <laughs> aspect to another, you know, that's what we're doing back there, so yeah. it's hard to move around, you know, 15 barrels of liquid without the help of everything else, so you can only imagine what all the big breweries are dealing with, with their problems, right. you know Yeah, <laughs> yeah um,
0: I want to talk a little bit about um, your thoughts each of your thoughts on how welcoming uh, the beer industry is to people of color looking in looking to get into the, the industry, uh, whether it's as a as a beer tender, uh, seller person, brewer, um, where are we at? I, obviously, uh, each of you have had different paths into it. I'm, I'm curious, I think you both uh, have a
1: really important perspective that I think people would love to hear about. For sure, yeah, I mean, me getting into it, um, I've told Britt this like a couple times, like most of my relatives were just like, yeah, if somebody tells you you can't do it, go out and show them you can do it. So I've carried that through for most of my um, career, I guess. Um, So when I got hired at Surly, it was a little bit different because now I'm friends with this kind of like motley crew of all kinds of different people and they didn't even question the thought that, you know, I was half Mexican. It was just like, oh yeah, this is the big guy that can throw kegs around. Like, (laughs) sounds like he can do the job. Like, there's nothing to worry about here.
0: Yeah,
1: And he can talk and hang out and whatever. And so like getting into it for me at that point, it was basically just like kind of a shoe in. Like it just worked out that way. You know, and then develop the conversation of, like, getting to know everybody, where my future would lie, considering Surly was on the trajectory of, like, signing with a distributor, so now I'm not throwing kegs around, where my future is with that, and then becoming friends with Todd, actually, like, more so over the years, and him actually telling me, like, hey, like, you know, you can either, either be a salesperson or, you know, you can work your through the ranks and get on the brew deck, you know, it's... Let me know. Yeah. I'm trying to figure everything out right now. And luckily I chose the route I did. um, And learning how to brew, how to package, how to maintain like a warehouse setting, how to transfer, filter, all that stuff. So um, fortunately enough for me, it was rather easy considering at the time I was already in the industry. So all these other breweries popping up. You know, I was already here, so... Right. Getting to know everybody was just fine. Not that big of a deal. Um, so, yeah, I guess it, it's kind of... That's my perspective on it. Mm-hmm. I, I've always been welcoming to everybody, considering yeah. the welcoming I got when I was at Surly. Yeah. And then, you know, the breweries thereafter, and then even here. Um, and then even hiring the people that I've hired. Yeah. So... After so you were at Surly,
0: then after Surly you went to Northgate, correct? Northgate, yep. And then, Fulton? Fulton. Yeah. Yep. And then, and then here. here. Okay, yep. I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Steel trap right here. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Um, how about you, Brit? Uh, w- coming from a totally different industry altogether, um, what what was your experience I- experience like? uh breaking into craft beer
2: yeah it's been really interesting um i think i'm entering at a really interesting time where folks are a lot more socially aware of you know the discrepancies and differences and discriminatory practices that exist you know across the country in general um for non or for white folks and people of color those differences that exist there i think people are waking up to them a lot more, um, particularly lately, post, post-George Floyd's murder, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think I'm interesting, in, entering at a very interesting time where the doors are a bit more open. Yeah. I think it was happenstance to catch Dickie on the Facebook group, you know, and it was really interpersonal. Um, and also, like... Hopefully, I convinced them that I could do the job, uh, but you know, it ended up being quite interpersonal. I think for the interview, but once I was in, you know, it, I've noticed that it ends up being a lot about who you know, which is not different from past industries that I've been in in healthcare sure. or in like corporate healthcare. Um, it's, it's no different there. Um, all of my jobs have come from knowing someone. This is kind of the first time I applied cold to something, honestly. Yeah. Um, so it's quite interesting in that way. Um, but now that I'm in here, I'm realizing it's not really too different. It's about who you know. And the fact that the brewing industry is so homogenous, I think that reinforces itself in a lot of ways. And again, I'm brand new, so, like, frankly, what do I know? And for listeners who don't know, I'm a delightfully black woman. Um, but, you know, like, I'm new here, so what do I really know? I just know I don't see a ton of folks who look like me. I have to shout out, you know, Brie and Shantae and the other folks that I've met, other black women I've met in the industry. Um, they've been super supportive and really kind to me. And in general, I haven't really encountered folks being unkind. I mean, there's microaggressions. That's just what it's like to be a black woman in in America. I mean, I think it was Sean's second week and he was kind of shadowing me a little bit. And I don't think Dickie knows this, but a delivery came and I opened the garage and I had to sign for it. And the guy goes, are you the secretary? And I was like, nah, bro. Lovely. (laughs) But you know sean was like wow and i was like this is every day you know and so i think and that's not the industry so to speak you know that's a rando off the street that's a delivery person um but that's just like that's just what it's like walking through the world it's not necessarily brewing industry versus healthcare versus the rest of the world it's just like existing so it's more about you know how do you make these intentional choices about bringing folks in that maybe don't look like you um how do you hire affirmatively? Yeah. How do you train affirmatively? Um, and I don't know that it's a conscious choice on Dickie's part, but he's doing an awesome job. Um, mm-hmm. I feel comfortable and great. Um, but, yeah, I think it, there's no right answer. It's just, like, doing things affirmatively and being mindful of your actions yeah. and maybe not asking folks if they're the secretary because they're a woman or black or both. <laughs>
0: maybe yeah. that, too, you know? Yeah. I think that there... You know there's there's always anytime it's something is dominated by one group it's tough to break through and then when you do break through it just makes it easier for the people who come after you and and that's what is exciting to me about um the minnesota craft beer scene especially um that there are more people of color coming into these roles and then there's that You know, like you, like you mentioned, like who do you know? I mean, I'd say most industries, like, do you know someone here? Can they put in a good word for you? It's the same thing. And that network exists, has existed for a long time for uh, white cisgender males, but now we're getting more access if you don't fit that mold. And I think that that is really important. I know I always feel really excited um, when I can walk into a place and see people that are like me, look like me, have my similar experiences in, in all different facets of it. And that just... It's hard to really e- explain why it's important, but it is. Right, yeah. Uh That, that just uh, really special sense of belonging. Um, and I love to see... Craft beer is about bringing people together, and so the the community that's happening here, both uh, people coming in the door to enjoy uh, your beverages and the people here working to make sure those beverages are enjoyable, is very diverse and very welcoming and very open. Um, how does that happen? Like, what? What are the? Was that? Like a, a on purpose thing, or is it like Bob Ross says, a happy little accident? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know if it's a happy little accident. Some of the IPAs are. <laughs> I won't tell you which ones. <laughs> but um, no, the uh, the kind of uh, welcoming, right? Yeah, is more so towards anything you drink here or eat here. Nothing's going to be offensive with like leaving a sour taste well some you know we had a sour round, but even that one didn't leave a sour taste in your mouth uh, it kind of you know just wa- washed away but you know even the IPA is on the back of our Lorena can it says it uh, it gives hop heads what they want and non-hop lovers a second chance at IPAs Yeah. so um, across the board just you will always find something that you'll enjoy here and if you don't I want to sit down with you and pick your brain because yeah. <laughs> we have drastically different things all across everywhere. And if you can't find something, like, I want to know. Yeah. Like, let's talk about it. But I think for the most part, like, people that work here, I mean, we got uh, one of our bartenders sitting at the bar right now on our day off just, like, hanging out. So it's... I think that speaks volumes. I think so. Awesome. I mean, that... <laughs>
0: You won't catch me dead at school after. So, that's that's tremendous. That's really cool. Yeah, I think so.
2: I live in St. Paul and I drink here. What's that? I live in St. Paul and I drink here.
1: <laughs> there are some good breweries in St. Paul for sure. Oh,
2: there are definitely.
1: Yeah, but I mean, little discount here. Yeah, just
0: <laughs> a
2: five finger discount is yeah. nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I would,
0: I would say, looking at the tap list, um, there's something for everybody. And you kind of answered one of the questions I, I was going to ask was, you know, um, the way that you have curated the selection of things for people, um, what was kind of like the impetus and motivation for how it looks? But, you know, like having something for everybody is yeah. I think, that kind of speaks for itself. Um, one thing that I've, I've always been struck with, and I think this is probably uh, on purpose as well, but anytime I've come in, um, everybody working behind the bar is really interested in what, where am I at in my craft beer journey as far as what do I like to drink, do I have any questions, do I want to try something. That's not always the experience that one has when they go into craft beer. Is that kind of a, you know, from, from the leadership of the brewery, is that a imperative? You know, we want people to understand what they're drinking. Um, if they're new, make them feel welcome. Don't make them feel stupid for not knowing anything. Um, how much of that kind of, I guess it goes back to training, but how much of the training of your staff to be willing to, to educate and take time with people uh, is on purpose and kind of a something that
1: comes from the leadership um i think it's all on purpose um as well as like sergio and i working together um to help the bartenders kind of like convey the message of like you know what are some key talking points you know you you ask somebody you know what kind of style do you like and then you can go from there and carry the conversation on you know if they answer you know I like hoppy then you know what to go to you know all the red signs if they like a lager or something light you can point them to the top of it going like oh all these yellow cards Uh, if they like dark beer now it's like okay now we can get into all the other colors that are going on but uh, for the most part um, everybody that applied and is working right now behind the bar has always either had an interest in craft beer or wanted to get in and learn more about craft beer so just being able to be fully transparent with them Um, I purposely for two reasons set up my quote unquote office at the bar you can see my laptop it's closed right now (laughs) (laughs) but that's just you know if anybody has any questions that's working behind the bar and I'm still here like ask me that's awesome. Again, it, it all goes back to my people in the back, like if you have any question, <laughs> I'm right here. Yeah. You might have to tap me on the shoulder, I might have earbuds in. Yeah. You might have to wave your arms back and forth. Get my attention, I'll talk to you, <laughs> we can talk it through, we can both pour a little sample, I can walk you through what you taste, what you smell, what happens after you get done, you know, all that kind of like everywhere around in the flavor profile but even what goes into the beer like oh what makes it a west coast and it's like oh it's this this and this yeah okay well what about uh, mole style like what is that and it's like oh well it has you know this and this adds the pepper it has the chocolate you know so on and so forth uh, why'd you name it this and then you know whether it's an intriguing story or not I go through the story and then I see <laughs> on their face like could tighten that up a little bit <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. So do you
0: have like a personal uh, beer style that you love to brew? Like, okay, we're always gonna have this in different variations of it just because it gives my creative part of my brain kind of like free reign and gets to be really really <laughs> excited. Or right. um, what, what do you, what, what styles do you like when it's like a certain season it's like, oh, I love brewing this beer. This beer is like so exciting.
1: Uh, outside of Oktoberfest, which is our Oktoberfest, um, basically anything new. So like whether that's collabs or any new IPAs or I did a cream ale or a light Mexican lager, um, anything that I don't think I'm going to make again, like, let's go. Let's. Yeah. <laughs> that was one thing I took from Todd where it was like I'm talking to him after like signing on and getting going. The question with the ownership group was, should we try and see if there's money in the budget to get a pilot system? And I called him up and I'm like, hey, like we're talking about maybe a pilot system and he was like, How many barrels are you making? I'm like, well, it's fifteen. He's like, Okay. I don't think you need a pilot system, like make it. Yeah. If it doesn't work, like you're out maybe $800? Eight hundred dollars? Yeah. Like that's a keg and a half. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Seems seems like you're fine. It's yeah. not You're not making six hundred barrels. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you mess up a six hundred barrel tank, and uh, you might that's get a talked deal. to. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big deal. Right. Yeah.
0: Britt, what are what's your favorite thing to drink?
2: Oh, to drink. I'm to an drink, IPA To drink. To brew. Yeah. All, to drink. IPAs. Yeah. Hate brewing IPAs. Love brewing stouts. <laughs> what? what? Okay. <laughs>
0: talk, talk, talk to me about that.
2: Yeah, I feel like, and, and I think opinions will differ. I have a buddy out there who will yell at me for this, but I feel like you can do so many complex things with a stout. There are so many things that I can layer on top of, like, that rich, chocolatey taste. And I just feel like, oh, I'm going to get. Ruined for this, but I feel like <laughs> I get bored of the hops that I can afford, right? So, okay, yeah, citra, simcoe. I have all those things at home. I even have galaxy at home. I realize I have an Australian galaxy at home, and I haven't used it yet. But like, I don't really care too much. I'm excited for the cacao nibs I get to add in, and the peppers I get to add in, and the yeah, you know, the oatmeal I get to add in. Do I add lactose or not? Um, I just think I can do more complex things with stouts. I'm also bad at making IPAs, which I've realized. Uh, for some reason, I just don't make them well. So. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> tried probably.
1: any yet, so I can't talk about them.
2: Yeah, because I haven't brought them in any IPAs. I'm too <laughs> oh. embarrassed. I can't give my head brewer a beer I'm not super proud of. I brought that's, in a stout, though, that I was super proud of. It.
0: I mean, you can look at it that way, or you can look at, like, who better to give constructive criticism, you know? That's that's what—that's what—that's like my ego. Yeah. (laughs) there's that.
1: I do remember a text conversation we had where you were making something and you were kind of criticizing it yourself, and I texted you. It may be the first batch, but it's not the last batch.
2: That's true. And I went back and made it again, and I crushed it.
1: Yeah. There you go. It's like you know when you when you make
0: pancakes, the first pancake never turns out.
2: That's true. That's you're like right.
0: the you know the canary in the coal mine.
1: Get that first pancake totally, out of the way, totally.
2: and then they're all fluffy, delightful. I just great need to pancakes. carry you both in my pocket all the time. You know to yeah, remind me. You
1: know? Especially if you're on a different burner. Oh like yeah. The other ones take it up, and you're like, <laughs> right. oh man, yeah. I'm on the bad one.
0: Damn it. <laughs> well, these are these are not 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 for not ready for prime time. Um, I'm looking at the, the tap list and I'm seeing uh, some heftier, bigger beers. Uh, I see a barley wine, I see an imperial stout. I see the Oktoberfest. Um, now that we're you know we've in, we're recording this on November 17th. We had a very unseasonably you know mild week and temperatures are, are dropping down. Um, it seems like we're kind of transitioning into those those kind of cold weather beers. Yep. Um, is this kind of like the majority of the of the seasonals, the winter seasonals that are that are coming out, or are, will there be more? Um, how often do you switch up the seasonals? I know that you've got your mainstays, the Doña Frias, the the Lorena, the El Rey. Um, I think Big Mama's always always on tap. What else? Yep.
1: Uh, How often do you kind of rotate through seasonals? Um, It's basically, so I have Britt and Sean both fill out an inventory sheet and a sales sheet every week. um, Just so I know what's in the cooler, what's on pallets, what's going out the door. Um, And then it's kind of like, okay, so this is gaining traction at this point. So maybe making something similar but not like it. Start thinking about that. Um, and then basically just, like, going around and, like, shopping for different beers at liquor stores and just yeah. going, like, oh, this is really good. Like, looking at the can, look it up online, see what's in it, see if I can do it. But sometimes, yeah. like, oh, it's a double-decocted, you know, whatever. And sure. It's like, okay, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for the most part, um, some of those like uh, Cosetia, which listened to that podcast with Fifty Six, that was in the tank. I don't know if you got to try it. I didn't get to try it. No. Okay. I'm, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't.
0: I haven't tried that one yet. It's really good.
1: But yeah, that one has uh, blue agave in it. Okay. And that was Zach's, um, like, bring into it, like, using agave, and I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be sweet. I've okay. never used it, so cool. Um, and then just kind of, like, working with that. Um, that one might come back, depending on, like, how it's going. Okay. Um, Super Classico has been a hit. Yeah, um, I just had that. That was yeah. that was really nice. Yeah, that one's nice, like, even with the lime on it, too. Um, which, I don't know, I might get hate for that. Just whatever. It's a garnish. <laughs> you know, you no. Know,
0: people need to stop hating on people for what they like <laughs> they just like it's a uh, you know, don't life, yucky yum right? life, life's too life's too short for that you know I got I got roasted today for uh we were doing a writing assignment in class and I'm like you want something something calm you know you know to like so it's not just like the scratch of the pencil on paper. I'm like, how do you all feel about Yacht Rock? And they're like, what is that, Mr. B? You're weird. And I'm like, okay. Candy okay. Loggins. Okay. It's the only Yacht Rock. I'm like, it's calm. It will just settle everybody down. Um, yeah. I, I think that, uh, you know, if you want to put a lime in something, put a lime in something. It's, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Don't yuck somebody's yum. That's, a, that's yeah. a good thing. Well, you know, I, my glass is empty. And you've been talking up this Cosecha. So I feel like now is a good time to take a break and refill. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about some maybe uh, industry topics. Uh, there's a, there's a lot going on right now in beer. Um, yeah. I think it's a very uh, the <laughs> it's a very dicey time <laughs> to to own a brewery. There's a lot of things happening, uh, both economically and with trends and and things like that so i want to when we come back dive into that a little bit more uh, and then i also want to talk about work-life balance as a brewer especially if you have little ones so we got more more fun discussion don't go anywhere i mean if you're listening to me you're probably in the car and you can't go anywhere so um <laughs> but yeah this is a one pint stand and we're recording uh on location at ladonia cerveceria with dickie and brit hey Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you're enjoying a one-pint stand. My aim is to help spread the word about craft beer. Enjoying craft beer is a passion of mine, and I love chatting about it with other people. A one-pint stand has a goal of helping breweries tell their stories. I love to get out in and beyond Minnesota to visit breweries, beer bars, and meet other interesting beer people. If you are also into those things you probably want to keep tabs on the show. So go ahead and follow A One Pint Stand on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We would also appreciate any and all positive reviews on Spotify and iTunes to help make it easier for other craft beer listeners to find us. If you like reading about craft beer, I started my own blog, and all of my writing can be found at aonepintstand.com. After eight years of writing as editor-in-chief at Beer Pluma, it was time for me to start my own blog, so make sure you check out the blog for some interesting craft beer content of the written variety. I truly appreciate you listening and taking time to enjoy our stories. Now, back to the show. Okay, we're back for the second half discussion. Uh, we've got a full, full glass now. I am drinking the Cosecha, which was a collaboration
1: beer brewed with 56 Brewing. Correct? Yeah, with 56, yep. yeah. Yeah, shout out Zach and uh, Micah. They shout me out and uh, their podcast with me. Yeah. so shout out to those guys. Those guys are awesome. Yeah. Also, Mike and Jules, shout out to you guys. I don't know if you guys listen to podcasts at all, but I hope you listen to this one.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, what's funny today is I was walking out of school, uh, Micah picking up his daughter she goes to Hopkins high school oh, and sure. he's like hey how's it going <laughs> he hands me a can of the new it's releasing tomorrow it's a collab a coco de meal oh coco yeah coco
1: de coco's I forget the full name of yeah,
0: it yeah it. it was a, a black brews podcast yeah. uh, collaboration he handed me a can of that as i was walking to my car i said hey i'm headed over to ladonia to talk to dickie and Britt <laughs> so he was he was excited he said to say hi uh, it's it's so interesting the the, the synergy between places, um, and I know that that beer collaborations are kind of a big deal. Um, do you have uh, preferred collaboration partners? Who what, who are some of the other other players in the industry that you really kind of gravitate towards or love to swap notes with and stuff?
1: Um, I guess like quite a few like. We all hang out at brew, you know, beer fests and other breweries. Or like Grumpy's was like a major hangout back in the day. But uh, for the most part, you know, just getting together and it's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I had uh, Forgotten Star at wherever, and it's like you meet the guy and like, oh yeah, I think we met at this other beer fest. But you know, it's all kind of foggy on the brain. So you know, like, oh, I got to make it out there sometime, and then. You know, eventually you make it out there, and you know sometimes they're still there, sometimes they're not. And you know, you drop your business card, and then you get an email, and it's like, yeah, we've been thinking about like making, you know, a beer. You know, we got a collab scheduled in on our our brew. You know, you want to make a beer like in you know two months from now, and then you start talking and whatnot and whatever. Uh, other times it's just like old buddies. Like I've known Micah. Back since the uh, uh, Northgate days, when I was brewing there, they they were in the old North, That's old right. old Northgate, the the, the northeast in, in incubator. Yeah, 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 <laughs> the revolving yeah, <laughs> door yeah.
0: kind of brewery. Man, uh, Northgate has such a, a a special place in my heart. I loved those beers. Oh, for I sure, loved man. I love the vibe, and I I really do miss that spot. Yeah, um, yeah. The Red Headed Piper was just, <laughs> that was my perfect, perfect beer, 4.5%, uh, great flavor, like roasty, leathery, just like, they'd have it on tap at Merlin's, I'd go to Merlin's all the time, Merlin's uh, Rest in uh, South Minneapolis, one of oh, my favorite sure. places, yeah. and when they had that on tap, we'd go there for trivia with some other uh, teacher buddies, we would, no. we would stay out <laughs> late for Red Headed Piper and trivia, um, but that was, that was cool. Yeah. yeah,
1: Tuck came up with some great recipes uh, when he was the head brewer there. Yeah, And then when I took over, I hope I came up with some good recipes too and made all of his beers as well, just uh, yeah. as well as he did.
0: Yeah, that was good. That was a good... Uh...
1: Yeah, how long were you at Northgate? Uh, it's kind of a blur. Okay. Uh, just because at that time it was just... It was basically me... Uh, Tuck and his wife were actually expecting by the time I got hired on. So shortly after I got trained in, um, he was doing paternity leave. Okay. So it was me and Al. I don't know if you know Al Erbach, but uh, he was like the um, seller and there on after. Okay. Uh, uh, position at Northgate when I got hired on there. Uh, and then he moved over to Abel. Oh, okay. And All then right. got rehired at Falling Knife, and now he brews for Falling Knife. Oh, funny. <laughs> which, yeah. It was, yeah. We text back and forth every once in a while, and just, like, how odd it is that he's back in the same building that yeah. he initially got his career at. It's so
0: <laughs> weird for me going into Falling Knife, because it, it's, aesthetically, it's nothing like Northgate. And I, I love Falling Knife beers. I love the, the people behind the beard, but I just oh, like for sure, it's yeah. not a place I like to hang out because it, it, it's like, oh, uh,
2: <laughs> it's not what it used to be.
0: And that's, that's my problem, but it, it's just kind of weird. Um, how long were you at Fulton?
1: I wasn't at Fulton more than a year. Okay. Uh, before Sergio contacted me. Actually, at Northgate, I made a beer with Save the Boundary Waters. Yeah. And. Um, canoe country. It was a cream ale.
0: That's right, because they had the canoe... Yep, the canoe was hanging up. I had many pours of that. Dude,
1: that was a pain to hang up in the rafters. I
0: can only imagine. Well, you had to move all the soccer scarves. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, one of the people with uh, Save the Boundary Waters is actually friends with Sergio. Okay. Um, And for... I I don't know what, you know, before talking about me was, but... Sergio brought up to him, like, oh, yeah, we're trying to get a brick and mortar. You know, we've been doing this contract brewing. Um, and it was just, like, basically talking about it, And the guy was like, oh, um, you looking for a brewer? You know, because this guy made a cream ale for Save the Boundary Waters. It was great. Like, I don't know where he's working now, but um, we're both, you know, follow each other on Instagram. Here's his handle. Yeah. And then Sergio hit me up, and uh, my DMs, I always like to say that, <laughs> he slid into my DMs. <laughs> slide tackled my DMs. <laughs> um, and then we met up at uh, Dangerous Man, and it was kind of like that whole thing of, like, you know, the number on the piece of paper slide over the table kind of thing. It wasn't really that, but um, he was just, like, getting a feel for it and everything. And then I met with uh, one of the other owners... And just chatted it up actually in this building. Okay. Uh, with no heat in the middle of winter. And it was empty from this wall all the way to where Royal Foundry used to be oh, to wow. the other wall. It okay. was completely empty. And I was like, we're, okay, I can see it.
0: Yeah. Well, this is, I mean, it's a great space. Yeah. I love that. Um, I love how the bar is in the middle. I lo- cuz I love sitting at the bar and being able to like just people watch. Oh, And right, just like yeah. like it just kind of like anchors the whole space, but it, what struck me the first time I came in here was just how absolutely colorful it is. I mean, so many breweries are just like industrial, brick, wood, but there's there's no okay. color. Yeah. And just like it is just for me pleasing to be in here. Um so yeah, this, th- what you've, you, I can't see, when I see an open space, I can't visualize what it could be. So, oh, yeah. the fact that uh, you could be like, oh yeah, yeah, th- this this will work. Um, <laughs> were you, so, when, did, were you looking at other brick and mortar spots, or was this kind of like, oh no, this is the place, this is where we want it? Uh, the, I the think right around here. the
1: time they were uh, bringing me on, it was, uh. Between this and, like, one other spot, maybe. Okay. And then just, like, talking about this area. Um, Yeah, we're going to put a soccer field, you know, over here. It's going to be, you know, this length, this width. Um, The brew house is going to go over here. And once they started talking about, you know, kind of, like, the layout of where everything was going to go, it was like, okay, all right. And then just, like, tracing it in my head because I just... I love imagining I'm a horrible person at drawing. Yeah. But like imagination and like figuring out where things could potentially go is like, okay, yeah. Absolutely. We can we can make that work and then yeah, the gate and the cooler and then the bar is going to be an island. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. I, I totally see it. Yeah.
0: Well, I it's just this is a wonderful place to enjoy a beverage. Um, so I want to talk about. I mean, we're we're in. I don't feel like while well, the while well, COVID is still a thing, I think that in a, a lot of places I go, and this is this is anecdotal evidence at best, uh, but I feel like people have returned to going out to tap rooms and feeling comfortable with that. Um, in Minnesota, we've had some pretty seismic shifts in what breweries can do as far as packaged products. A uh, couple of years ago, a year and a half ago thereabouts, it became legal for breweries to sell uh, four-packs, six-packs, different vessels uh, mm-hmm. of their beer. Um, talk to me about how those changes and just kind of the current economic
1: climate in craft beer have affected Ladonia. Um, I'd say it opened up a new path of uh, revenue for sure for most breweries at least um, especially people that you know solely choose out to go out to a brewery versus like let's go to the liquor store and then we'll go back home you know kind of get that vibe of like you know does the, the place have food uh, do they only have beer is it a brew pub you know whatnot and what have you but in regards to like pe- more and more people coming out to hear, um, just offering food, the welcoming atmosphere, the amount of space where you know even if it is you know somewhat packed in here, you always find like some kind of crevice to like tuck away into where you can you know somewhat seclude yourself. There'll be noise obviously, but yeah. um, not so much unless it's Saturday night that it's going to be overbearing. Um, Saturday night being, you know, salsa night, you know, in the event space over there, they do lessons for your salsa and then start dancing all around. Okay. But uh, as far as like people coming in, you know, I see people come in and grab like a couple four packs, uh, they'll put a food order in, sit down and have a beer, and then they'll go home, and yeah. that's that, yeah. Okay. Um, what,
0: what, brands or what beers do you package do you do kind of a kind of a smattering of different ones or is it kind of like no these these four are the only ones that that go out or because you have your own canning
1: line do you have the freedom to kind of can whatever uh we do for the most part um i think the thing that limits us is our cooler availability okay so like obviously you don't want to stack kegs on top of cans But uh, there are only so many pallets of whatever that can go into the cooler. Right. Um, And in regards to, like, cans also being out in liquor stores, you being a smaller craft brewery, you only get so much, like, rail space for uh, most of your SKUs to go out there. Yeah. So some of it... um, Oh, there's my wife and kid over there. Ah, there you go. (laughs) They just walked (laughs) in. I know they're trying not to interrupt right now, but we're talking about it. Let's get the kiddo over here, get her microphone, <laughs> let's hear her
0: thoughts on the Barbie movie. There we go. go.
1: Actually, I think uh, about a year ago, um, they were seeing, like, Twitch streams on YouTube. Oh. And uh, with their iPad, they set it up, and they're like, Dad, we're going we're gonna to do, like, a little stream, and then, you know, maybe we can post it. That's so awesome. <laughs> Of course that's not their voice, but yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah that's I said funny. to
1: differentiate from mine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> a number of years ago, I don't know how long it was, but Steve Finney, his two oh. his two kids are hilarious. <laughs> they did they he did a YouTube video. This is probably because they were little little. Like yeah. maybe I don't know, now they're like in, almost ready to graduate high school. Oh, but geez. like they were they had like five different things of ice cream out and they were like Taste testing and commenting, and the younger one um, is just a ham about it. He's making all these comments, and the older one was more like serious about it. He's like, yeah. "Settle down." It was really funny.
1: <laughs> I got to find that and watch that again. Yeah, um, no kidding. Yeah. Anyway, uh, back to four packs. Yeah. Um, we do have our mainstays. There are three year rounds, uh, and they're all drastically different. We have Dona Fria a Mexican lager.
0: Sensational
1: have- beer. Thank you. Absolutely fabulous beer. Thank you very much. I love that beer. Thank you. I taste it every day, and every day it's just like I hope it turns out. Hope it stays the same.
0: That's <laughs> it's that's
1: my rule. When I come in here, I, I have to have one, uh, no matter
0: sure. what else I'm having. <laughs> it's kind of just kind of like what I set my my palate to. It's yeah. very good. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Uh, so that one. Uh, we have Lorena, which is our West Coast IPA with Simcoe and Mosaic Hops. Um, and then we have our Big Mama Blondale. And Big Mama is actually my wife's nickname, Big Mama. Okay. Yeah, yeah, So on the back of the can it says, you know, an ode to the, the brewer's wife. Okay. Um, and then the other ones are seasonal, Oktoberfest, you know, obviously coming out around the Oktoberfest season. Um, and Mulatto, which, you know, when it starts to get cold outside, The little spice stout, you know, comes out. Um, And then we've kind of been trying to figure out a summer seasonal, and it's kind of been all over the place. We did one with uh, Urban Growler called Golden Ticket. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that was with the purple heirloom corn from Mexico, from uh, Macienda, which turned out phenomenal as well. Uh, and then we did another one again with 56 Cosecha. We both canned it. Yeah, I'm drinking that right now. It's yep. very delicious. Same.
0: Now, you said that there was blue agave yep. in here. Uh, me being the brewing novice that I am, I'm assuming that was just for, like a, for a different type of fermentable, uh, or is it more... Did, was there a lot of sugar that got consumed by the yeast from that or was that more, I guess what does what does why why Blue Agave in the beer?
1: Um, I think Blue Agave uh, just because we were both going for a different Mexican lager. Okay. Especially one that we already have on tap right now um, and there you know, Zach brought it up to me he, yeah. he was mentioning Blue Agave um, I can't remember if he actually used it before or not but um, he had mentioned it uh, just because it has honey-like qualities sure. to it. So, like, Indeed's Mexican honey yep. has that kind of, like, honey-esque-ness yeah. to it. And I think it lends to the body of the beer. So okay. So when we added it, we added it in the Whirlpool. So it did add some sugar, obviously, to it. Yep. Um, fermentable-wise, um, I didn't see necessarily a giant shift. Okay. So in our 15 barrels, uh, which we actually filled a 17 just so finishing out we can get a true 15, Um, we added, I think, 25 kilograms. So it may have added, like, half a Play-Doh or so. Okay. But, um, yeah, I wasn't really counting on that one to, you know... Push the sugar amount over the edge okay. or anything like that, but um, it definitely shines through in the flavor. Yeah, it's good. I like
0: it that it's just like, yeah, there's a little bit more sweetness Yeah. Uh, than like the Dona Fria. Um, and I would like, I guess sometimes I, I worry if there's like an added thing that's put in so late in the process that it's going to make it too sweet oh, but i yeah, think it's yeah. very balanced in, yeah. in this in this setting so yeah nice job very Thank you. very good yeah <laughs> so i think this make a really good summer seasonal
1: so this is my vote <laughs> uh, <laughs> i vote for for this one um, yeah i think we're gonna make it again i think i i was texting zach um probably like a month ago just like hey we're just doing really good we're gonna make it again you you want to make it again at some point in time. Like let's come up with some dates and figure it out. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, that's awesome.
1: If they wanted to release it obviously at the same time that we did, you know.
0: Yeah, because you can't you can't just brew it like at one place and both sell it, right? You have to brew it here and then brew it there and they have to be separate because of like whatever just dis- weird distribution yeah like <laughs>
1: Sometimes. Yeah. Some uh, other times, you know, some breweries do it where it's like they don't have the capacity or canning purposes to like allow for a double release to come out. So you'll have like the co-branding and then it'll be pushed out just promoting both beer or both breweries. Okay. But um, yeah, for us, luckily we do have the capability of doing such things, but we actually did one that didn't. Um, allow for us to make it as well, and that one was uh, with modest actually. When they uh, they came out with La Crispy, uh, sure. that one had um, they threw in uh, blue agave as well into that one with like a few other things too. But it was, it was lighter in color, um, a little bit lighter on the hop profile. Um, I would say it was, like, closer to uh, Super Classico than anything. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, they released it. We're still trying to, like, figure it out. We've both been super busy. You know, they have, you know, I think they did a Beer with uh, Dudesy podcast, which oh, is uh, yeah. real Sassa. Yeah, yeah. So they got... You know, no time yeah. at all to like try and come over We've here. Crazy stuff going on over there. Oh, well, yeah. they just
0: opened up their their new event space. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, they're they're always busy. Um, what has been so? You talked about kind of what you put into cans. Um, you said it's basically a, a new kind of like revenue stream. Um, do you find your like? Looking back now that it's been a while uh, since you've been able to do that, um, you know, I I thought when COVID happened that they should have just passed that law right then. Oh, absolutely. You know, because I think that screwed a lot of places. Um, I guess better late than never, but you know, thinking about this and and in comparing the Minnesota beer scene to other places where like when i travel in the summer i always go somewhere and they're like tell me about minnesota like i'm like well here's here's the funny thing uh we just became <laughs> it just became legal to sell beer out of right. like they're like wait <laughs> what so it's such a odd thing um how is it going to i have to imagine given the economic climate we're in with the, the cost of goods skyrocketing I know that I've heard like everything is more expensive yeah a lot of breweries I've noticed in the last like kind of like sneakily I mean I remember not that long ago when like the going price of a pint five six bucks you know maybe yeah. if it was like a double IPA or a, or a big stout it was seven yeah now it's like well you're lucky to find seven yeah uh Eight is is starting to kind of be the norm, um, and if you find something for six dollars, that's a yeah, it's like a unicorn. Yeah, what's wrong um, with it? Yeah, right, exactly. What's the, <laughs> how long has this keg been on there? Um, do you worry that craft beer is pricing people out? Um,
1: I mean, maybe. It's tough to say. Um, Just coming from the person that, like, dictates uh, basically the wholesale price here, um, I try to make the four packs that, once they hit the liquor store shelves, uh, the liquor store price uh, is best suited for, you know, everybody. Yeah. Um, Whether that's, you know, somebody criticizing it for this beer's really good, why is it so cheap? To people going, this beer's really good, like, thanks for having an affordable price. Like, I would rather take the latter every day of the week. Yeah. Um, Probably just because, you know, the person who's saying it's cheap is probably buying two, so, you know. Hey, great. (laughs) Yeah. But um, it's tough to say just because with the market going in the route that it's going everybody's adding more and more or like this is a you know triple whatever or you know ten and a half or 11 percent something or you know they're trying to stand out from other people yeah so like the marketing behind it is kind of like oh yeah like I really got to try this because it might not be around again and it seems intriguing because it has you know whatever in it versus like it's a mexican lock i don't know like usually it's nine dollars nine ten dollars at the liquor store like yeah try it out if you don't like it like the info emails on the back like let us know well
0: and so this this brings up an interesting point i mean The marketing versus quality. I'm worried, you know. Eventually, people are going to think that craft beer has to be everything in the kitchen sink, lactose, nine different uh, (laughs) ice cream flavors, um, out of a slushy machine. Out of a out of a slushy (laughs) machine that uh, that you have to huff. I don't know. It's where at what point does it start to just get too ridiculous when we have to kind of rein it in because. I think at it at a certain point this might sound like hyperbole but we we're we're, we're going to it's going to kill it the industry's going to kill itself uh, by like people starting to like <laughs> expect craziness all the time and the the beer styles that got us here that got us away from the evil empire of Budweiser oh, really? are are going to like be the end because People are going to forget, you know, wh- when amber ales, brown ales, all those become boring and go away. You're going to lose the old school craft beer drinkers who get fed up when you walk in and there's, you know, a slushy, sour, you know, thing of <laughs> ab- abomination. Um, <laughs> I had to say it. Um,
2: what?
1: Is beer-flavored beer in danger? Um, I think it's coming back. Um, You know, when... I believe I was uh, getting going with uh, Doni Fria, and we were either just going into cans or just in cans, and Fairy State had taken away their Vienna Lager out of cans. Oh, I because it wasn't that. selling. Yeah. Yeah, that really pissed me off.
0: I'm like, God damn it!
1: <laughs> but I remember either texting or messaging Nico and just going like, "What is going on, man? Like, really?" And he's like, "It's not selling." It's like, sorry, like it's phenomenal beer, but it, it was one of those at that time. It was a brewer's beer. Yep. You know, much like that English mild or. Dunkel, or you know those low abv like very like you know intricate without being intricate beers right where brewers could be like it's so clean and we can pick out you know it's one that we like thinking about otherwise you know most of us are drinking like hams or you know what have we, right it's the last thing we want to think about we know what we're getting well, you just want to. You want the beer to be secondary. You want to have
0: the conversation and yeah, just exactly. like enjoy the company. At that yeah. point, yeah. yeah. The
1: last thing we want to do is like, oh, it's a little diastol. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, in regards to that, I would say we're entering in on this evolutionary period where the consumer is finally at the point where I would say most people in the industry are where. It's not necessarily about how hoppy or how crazy or, you know, how many different barrels a beer sat in. Yeah. To be this huge deal, you know, there there will always be those breweries that are going to, you know, venture out and be like, well, we got these Woodford and then we transferred it on to whatever and then whatever or we blended these three barrels into one and I don't know there's always going to be those and then there's going to be those other spots where people know and they know they can trust that there's not going to be there's going to be at least three or four things that aren't going to be insane yeah There's going to be those three or four, like, us here, like, with the Dona Fria. It's always going to be here. Yeah. So no matter what, even if I do some of my spicy beers or sour fruited beers or, you know, even, you know, with the barrel-aged beers, like, putting them in ex-bourbon mezcal finished barrels, like, that landed a crazy flavor to it. It was awesome. I wasn't expecting it, but, you know, in my mind, like, that was kind of crazy, and even with En where I add smoked serrano peppers and cacao powder to emphasize that chocolate, like, in my mind, I feel like I'm doing a disservice to the stout, because that original stout is also really good. Yeah. But adding those few extra things to it further enhances it, now... It's kind of like this, you know, traditional Mexican-esque dish where it kind of reminds some of the people that come in here, like, this tastes exactly kind of like what I used to eat. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's it's a give and take, really. And as long as most people are, you know, kind of true to where they stand in the brewing industry... Yeah. Um, I think the consumer that genuinely revisits or frequents that place, they will continue to tell more and more people or their family that's out of town, like, we got to go here. Yeah. Like, I know you like wine or I know you don't like beer. I know you, you know, whatever. We'll find something. I know it at this place. And so it's, you can find that at plenty of different breweries around and most people are posting up their food truck. And I know that's a big draw is, are they going to have food?
0: Uh-huh.
1: Or will they be parking? And it's getting harder and harder to, like, please the everyday person. But in regards to most things, I think most people, now that we can sell four packs out of the tap room, like, most people are trying to make that work. And yeah. if that draws more people in or... It gets people drinking their beer from the liquor store and eventually coming in, like, that's great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it, for a lot of people before it was an option to sell cans out the door, a lot of people are like, well, you know, cans are just just marketing, just trying to get, oh, right, get yeah. people out there. And it's like, mm, that seems to be <laughs> like a very expensive way
1: to market. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean... <laughs> if that's what you're spending it on, labels are not cheap. Uh, right, yeah. So... Um, uh, talk to me about,
0: you know, when you think about, obviously, you know, your family just walked in. Um, what is it like to be a brewer? I know that you and you're, you're part of the ownership here. Um, that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. I mean, how do you juggle that? How do you juggle brewing? Um It's not like a regular nine-to-five when you're overseeing all of the things that you oversee here. Right, What are some of the challenges of of finding that work-life balance between, um, you know,
1: doing your best for the brewery and and, and being being the best dad, being the best husband? Um, Definitely wouldn't say I'm the best dad or the best husband. Uh, I try. And I think... In regards to Brit, who was sitting down with us, um, asking, um, if you're unsure, ask. And so, trying to remind myself, like, you know, you deal with kids, like... Yeah. You know, just ask. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not going to get mad. I, If I get mad, like, you know, here's this, or what I promise, you know, this, or yeah. whatever, and it's just like trying to remind yourself like to live up to the standard that you want to see out in the world is definitely key and so the the balance between the two it's kind of it's kind of different because i'm kind of always here yeah um i don't know if that's a good or bad thing i you know there's always something that needs to happen and unfortunately you know i'm not gonna ask brit or sean who you know aren't part owners in the company to you know, this and this is happening, so, you know, why don't you... You know, can you go in for, like, two hours on a Sunday morning at 9 a.m.? Yeah. Like, no, I'm going to do it. I'm I'm the boss. I got to... You know, you lead by example, you know? So the balance with having a family is, you know, trying to do the same thing, like, with my wife especially, like, you know, if if I'm not doing something or... If I'm not, you know, whatever it is, you gotta let me know, and she's more than happy to let me know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's a that's a you know
0: that's a that's a good thing <laughs> yeah. as as a as a life partner. Yeah,
1: yeah absolutely. Yeah. And I, I I love her for it, and being somebody who's so like intro focused uh, with. You know, planning the next step, like having somebody who can like tell it to me straight, is phenomenal. Yeah, and I fully enjoy it. Uh, so it's great. And then trying to raise a, a child together, it's understanding that if something were to happen at all, I can always shift my day around. Yep. You know, I don't have to. You know, brew from this time to this time because we are smaller. Right. Um, I can brew at night. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever it is. You know, I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, but being able to have that flexibility and then also, like, translate that to my staff saying, like, hey, look, we'll figure it out. Like, yeah, if you got to stay home, you got to stay home. Yeah. You know, whether you're sick, you need a mental day, you need to go because one of your family members you know whatever it is yep all you got, just let me know let's let's talk about it let's figure it out and we'll go from there
0: well i, I think that the and you're touching on a mental health part of it you know oh yeah the, absolutely. um you know no nobody nobody's good to anybody else that they're not good for to themselves, themselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so uh we on the, the last podcast i I talked. We talked a lot about that with the, you know, the um, kind of uh, pressure, the social pressures and the job pressures of being around alcohol all the time, how that oh, can yeah. be very challenging. And um, I think that just the, the this job, this industry can be very callous and draining uh, because at the end of the day, you are, you know, you have to sell more. You have to make more. The the, the profit margins are are razor thin, and you know um, if if you're not giving 110, percent then depending on your size, you might be losing. And
1: oh, right. you know
0: that's that's really hard. Yeah. Um. But I but I think that it's refreshing to hear you say, you know this these things are important and you are cognizant of those things of making sure that, you know, people are taking care of themselves. Absolutely. Um, just another, another reason to love
1: this place, that that's yeah. the mentality, because I don't think that is the mentality in the majority of places, so. It, it's hard to say. Yeah. And, you know, the last thing I want to do is like be on your podcast and like, you know, start bashing other breweries or whatever but everybody's you know out there fighting for the same thing yep and whether their focus is on sales or their focus is on you know getting people in or their focus is on distribution or what have you it's kind of all dependent on like your size so in regards to you know continuing to like have that mental health and like being able to withdraw yourself from here or from your work and go home and like be present in the moment. Um, I don't think necessarily anybody who is part of an ownership can actually fully do that. Yeah, because it's always on your brain. It's Right. It's one of those things that's just like you know, like I I don't know if we set it off mic or anything, but it is, you know, I, I try another beer and it's just like, oh this is interesting. Like yeah. what's in this one? Yeah, and then it just like gets the the wheels going, and then next thing I know, it's like I'm not there. I'm thinking about how could I do this beer differently. Yeah, and then like snap back into it, like okay, okay, I'm here, I'm here. And luckily with my kiddo, like we play video games. Um, they love to play Roblox. Oh yeah. So I have my own Roblox account. We've been nice. hammering that stuff out. A little bit into Fortnite, not too much. Okay. Uh, I don't think they really enjoyed it all that much because there wasn't different games you could play. All right. Uh, but then Minecraft is huge, too, because that's oh, all God. creativity. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, when I w- so I, like, before this year, I was at the junior high for the last 20 years. Minecraft was. I mean, everywhere, everywhere. Cause it's just like <laughs> that's that's all they're doing on their iPads. I'm like, you, you guys, I, I know nouns and verbs can't compete with Minecraft, but can we can we put our iPads away for just a second? Yeah, right. this is kind of funny. <laughs> um, well, you know, I really applaud you for that. I think that it's very, like you said, when you when you're the the owner of of something, you you can't really can't turn it off. The last couple um, spring breaks I've gone with uh, Jeff and Aaron Ziert uh, from Lupulin and, you know, Jeff always has his laptop. He's always because he has to. And I think that's hard. That's hard on, uh, you know, when it comes to trying to be present in the moment and things like that. But it is the nature of the beast. And I think that um, it, it sounds like you are... Doing a more than admiral job of juggling all those responsibilities, and that's a lot. Yeah, it's 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 absolutely a lot. But also like that uh, understanding of the importance of mental health. It's 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 very refreshing and positive to hear uh, to hear you talk talk about that um, and and prioritize that. So I think that uh, more of those conversations in the industry need to be had. I think that there's. Um, you know people need to understand that like if people are if 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 everybody working at the brewery from from the owner down to the the brand ambassador who's doing the sampling at uh, stinson you know for right. two hours is refreshed that reflects better on the brand that reflects better on everybody yeah um, absolutely so i think that's uh that's good well anything else you want to plug what what uh so what as we're entering winter um people coming in now i noticed there's like a, a new like <laughs> apartment building like oh right you next. noticed yeah it's like uh, <laughs> almost turned into where i thought the soccer field would be like oh no there's a building there keep going um when is that going to be done what's uh <laughs> what's going on with that has that been a a, a positive has it been a, a little challenging
1: uh Uh, Quite challenging. Okay, yeah. Where's Uh, the
0: soccer going to be?
1: Actually, right now, there's a uh, giant cutout of where our patio and soccer field is going to be just right behind you. Okay. Um, So it is coming back. Okay, good, good. Uh, We unfortunately have had to wait on certain things to get done next door before we can get our hands on it. Sure. Um, And unfortunately... With most construction, they're behind. Yeah. And unfortunately for us, they are drastically behind. Uh Yeah. so well, that's no fun. Uh, to be fair, um, the people in charge of everything, um, it's their first um, development in Minneapolis proper. Okay. So different, like, zoning laws or whatever, I don't... I have these emails in my next-door-neighbor folder in my email. (laughs) Um, I try to understand most of it, but if I go too far into that, I lose track of how to brew, so I focus more on brewing. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I speak for many people
0: that say, yes, keep doing that. Don't worry.
1: But, yeah, it's, uh, you know... And at this rate, uh, we will for sure have it um, by next summer, okay. hopefully next spring. And I only say that just because I don't know how construction would go in the winter time. Yeah, yeah, so: Who knows?
0: Well, um, if you're listening to this and you have not been to Ladonia yet, you need to put it on your calendar. Get in here. Uh, so when does the when does the uh, barrel age version of uh, Prince Namor come on? Um, so that's usually
1: like a January February thing, or does it kind of rotate? Uh, so the barley wine barrel age usually comes out right around our anniversary, uh, which was last month. Oh, okay. But um, next to the cans that are stacked up, you can see my empty barrel racks. Oh, sure, yeah. Uh, barrel prices have gone through the roof. Uh, so... Okay.
0: <laughs> just another another crazy thing to, to deal with.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so in regards to, you know, every year being able to get barrels in at a certain price and then let beer sit in the barrels for nine months and then taking it out, bottling, all that fun uh, stuff. Um, it just wasn't a financial endeavor that necessarily fitted, especially over COVID or even coming out of COVID. And so we've just kind of been relying on, you know, doing other fun and different assorted things around. And, you know, usually we have a spicy beer on tap. So, yeah, we're getting crazy around here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So 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 if you haven't made it in, come on in give give their beers a try. Uh keep an eye out for their beers on the liquor store shelves. Um and you know, I again I said it earlier, I know you're busy. I know especially today <laughs> yeah, was with the brew, was, a, was a little um, wild. Uh, thank you so much for taking time. Um I've 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 looked forward to this conversation for a while. So yeah, man. I'm yeah, glad yeah. we could finally sit down and make it happen. So same. Yeah. Really appreciate you. So this has been another on location episode of a one pint stand here at La Dona Cerveceria. Cheers. And with that, we are at the close of another episode of a one pint stand. Dicky's such a wonderful member of our Minnesota craft beer community. He has immense skills when it comes to brewing and is passing on so much of his knowledge to Britt, who is as intelligent as they come in her own right. And it's just a very dynamic duo that's back there in the brew house. And talking to them was very exciting to see the synergy that exists between them and just kind of the the wonderful mutual respect they have for each other. Um, you, You couldn't see it, but... As Britt was talking, uh, you know, saying a lot of great things about Dickie, uh, the, the look on his face was priceless. Dicky is very humble, and um, his his smile was as wide as it could possibly be. So, um, I really enjoyed uh, seeing the dynamic that exists between the two of them. Um, it's 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 a it's it's a lot of energy. Um, there is a lot of creative respect. Uh, between the two of them, and it's a very nurturing vibe so that um, Brit will be able to grow and learn, and I think Dickie will in turn become inspired by Brit's energy and ideas, and it's really cool to see that. I think any, any industry where uh, there is a creative element to it, that energy is really fun to, to see and be a part of. Um, Ladonia is providing a sensational craft beer experience to many, and I hope you enjoyed hearing about it. Ladonia is an absolute treasure, and I encourage you to make your way there if you haven't already. Uh, One thing I don't know if we really talked about much, but Ladonia is uh, a Latino-owned brewery. And in Minnesota that's a pretty magnificent thing not very common so um, I think that's initially what drew me there and since my first visit many years ago I've really enjoyed the quality of their beers and uh, the quality of the experience I have uh, when I walk in and see a lot of uh, a lot of diversity enjoying beer and coming together it's a, it's a wonderful community um, so if you haven't been again make your way there if you have been hopefully this made you thirsty and you're going to make a return visit Um, our next episode is going to focus on bourbon where i'm going out to shorewood liquors to chat with craig about bourbon Uh, and that will be fun just in time for the holidays so uh, i appreciate you taking time to listen and until next time, this has been a One Pint Stand, a Minnesota craft beer podcast where the pants stay on, but the caps come off. Cheers. Everything in the kitchen sink. Lactose, right, yeah. nine different uh, <laughs> ice cream flavors. Um, out, of in, the out, of a, out of a slushy machine. Out of a slushy machine that you have to huff. I don't know.